This is VOA News via remote. I'm Tommy McNeil. Ukraine's president says he's ready to discuss a deal with Russia. AP correspondent Mike Gracia. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says he's ready to discuss a deal with Russia that would include a commitment from Ukraine not to seek NATO membership in exchange for a ceasefire. In a late-night interview with Ukrainian television channels, Zelensky said it's a compromise for everyone, for the West, which doesn't know what to do with us with regard to NATO, for Ukraine, which wants security guarantees, and for Russia, which doesn't want further NATO expansion. Zelensky repeated his desire to have direct talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. He also said Kiev will be ready to discuss the status of Crimea and the eastern Donbass region held by Russian-backed separatists after a ceasefire. I- and that's AP's Mike Rossi reporting. Still, so far, Ukraine has refused Russia's demands to surrender in the southern port city of Mirapol. And its fate remains uncertain. We get details from AP correspondent Ed Donahue. Communications are crippled, and many residents in Mariupol are in hiding. They bombed everything. We don't have Mariupol anymore. Dmitry Gurin is a member of the Ukrainian parliament. Mariupol officials say at least 2,300 people have died. Fears grow. That number could be far higher. I'm not a lawyer to use a homicide uh, term. Uh, I mean, a uh, law term for this situation, but uh, it's uh, mass murdering. President Volodymyr Zelensky's message? I call on all Ukrainians to do everything to defend our country everywhere we are in order to save our nation, combat, fight, support, and drive out these slaves, these occupiers, to make Ukraine and all of us live freely and peacefully as we like to do. AP correspondent Ed Donahue, and this is VOA News. U.S. President Joe Biden, in remarks to Business Roundtable CEO quarterly meeting, says that Russia could be preparing to launch cyber attacks against critical infrastructure amid the war in Ukraine. It's not just in your interest, or it's today my administration issued new warnings that, based on evolving intelligence, Russia may be planning a cyber attack against us. As I said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential. Biden says it is coming, and he's urging U.S. companies to make sure their digital doors are locked tight. Biden cites evolving intelligence uh, that Russia is considering launching cyber attacks against critical infrastructure targets as the war in Ukraine continues. Day one of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court confirmation hearings is over. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani. No survivors have been uh, found as uh, the search continues of the scattered wreckage of a China eastern plane carrying 132 people that crashed in a forested mountainous area in China's worst air disaster in a decade. State broadcaster CCTV says the wreckage has been found, but none of those aboard the plane with whom contact was lost have been found. The Boeing 737-800 crashed Monday afternoon near Uzal in the region and ignited a fire. The plane was about an hour into the flight and nearing the point when it was beginning to descend when it pitched downward in a steep, fast dive. Chinese President Xi Jinping called for an all-out rescue operation and an investigation into the crash. 
U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the violent repression of the largely Muslim Rohingya population in Myanmar amounts to genocide. The declaration on Monday is intended to both generate international pressure and lay the groundwork for potential legal action. Authorities made the determination based on confirmation accounts of mass atrocities on civilians by Myanmar's military in a widespread and uh, systematic campaign against the uh, Rohingya. It is the eighth time since the Holocaust that the U.S. has made the determination that a genocide has in fact occurred. Recapping our top story, Ukraine's president says that he is, in fact, ready to discuss a deal with Russia. But still, Ukraine is refusing to Russia's demands to surrender in the southern port city of Mariupol. More at VOANews.com. Via remote, I'm Tommy McNeil, VOA News. Today is Tuesday, March 22nd, and this is VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedua in Washington. Coming up in the next half hour, President Joe Biden heads to Europe for a special NATO summit aimed at defusing the conflict in Ukraine. President Joe Biden heads to Europe Wednesday in hopes that face-to-face talks with NATO, European, and G7 leaders will achieve what virtual diplomacy has so far failed to do. The U.S. formally designates violence against Rohingya by Myanmar's military as genocide. The United States has concluded the genocide was committed seven times. Today, March the 8th, as I have determined that members of the Burmese military committed genocide and crimes against humanity. And the world marks the 29th annual Water Day with a focus on groundwater. We'll have these stories and more next on International Edition. Stay tuned. U.S. President Joe Biden heads to Europe for a special NATO summit aimed at defusing the conflict in Ukraine and imposing more sanctions on Russia for invading their western neighbor. European nations fear the violence could spread into their territory. VOA White House correspondent Anita Powell reports from Washington with reporting from Bill Gallo in Seoul. President Joe Biden heads to Europe Wednesday in hopes that face-to-face talks with NATO, European, and G7 leaders will achieve what virtual diplomacy has so far failed to do, end Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The White House recognizes that this whirlwind trip aims to achieve a lot in very little time. He begins with a NATO summit on Russia Thursday. In addition to imposing strict sanctions against Russia, the U.S. has also floated Ukraine's coffers with $13.6 billion in military and humanitarian aid. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has begged the United States, to no avail, to establish a no-fly zone over his country. He has repeatedly warned that Russian President Vladimir Putin will not stop at Ukraine. A recent Russian strike on the western city of Lviv hit just 80 kilometers from the Polish border. Next will be Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Moldova, Georgia, Poland. Then they will be walking until they reach the Berlin Wall. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken recently visited the Baltic nations to hear their concerns. Latvia's Deputy Prime Minister and Defense Minister told VOA that NATO members near Ukraine want to see some fundamental changes. That basically we need a different type of forward presence for all the nations starting from the south of Turkey to the north of uh, the Baltics. And also the strategy should be 
our philosophy of our defense of our alliance should be set in a different way. Latvia's foreign minister told BOA that Eastern Europe sees no quick end to ongoing talks between Ukraine and Russia. Our position is that uh, Ukraine clearly is the country that should decide what kind of agreement it wants. No red lines, no pushing Ukraine, because Russia has attacked Ukraine and we must help Ukraine to defend its sovereignty, not to try to impose any kind of deal that wouldn't be in the best interest of Ukraine. So from that point of view, I don't want to be rather optimistic or pessimistic. I want to be realistic. I think that it may take some time. But analysts ask whether there's a point in NATO and others holding discussions without either Ukraine or Russia at the table. From Brussels, Biden will head to Poland's capital on Friday. Meanwhile, less than a thousand kilometers away, Ukraine burns. Anita Palvio in News, Washington. Russia continues its attack on Ukraine cities, hitting a shopping mall Monday and an art school sheltering some 400 people only hours before offering to open two corridors out of Mariupol in return for the capitulation of its defenders. Ukrainian officials have defiantly rejected the offer. As Russia's invasion enters its fourth week, the UN says 10 million people are now displaced both in and out of Ukraine. U.S. President Joe Biden travels to Europe this coming week to meet with allies to discuss the crisis. VOA's Arasha Rabasadi has more. Ministry spokesman said Russia launched another hypersonic long-range missile on what he described as a Ukrainian military target. It was the second such attack in as many days. This follows a week where Ukrainian officials said Russian forces destroyed a theater where hundreds sheltered in the building bookended by the Russian spelling of children in the front and back. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russia's Mariupol blockade will go down in history of responsibility for war crimes. The United States, uh, through our president uh, and NATO alliance, are, are totally committed to this Ukrainian effort to stop Putin. The desperate things that he's doing now, killing innocent civilians and children, for goodness sakes, uh, he will have a stain uh, name in history forever for this. UNHCR Chief Filippo Grandi tweeting this week the war in Ukraine so far displaced about 10 million people, nearly one in four Ukrainians, with more fleeing every day awaiting help from the West. Demonstrations around the world backing Ukrainians and denouncing the Russian invasion even on the streets of Moscow where authorities carry protesters to vans and drive them away. Perhaps none more famous than Marina Ovjanikova on Russia's state TV channel one. She burst into a live broadcast with a sign reading no war in English and don't believe propaganda. They are lying to you here in Russian. And I could show to the rest of the world that Russians are against the war. And I could show to the Russian people uh, that uh, this is just propaganda. Expose this propaganda for what it is and maybe stimulate some people to speak up against the war. And I was hoping that my performance, in a way, would help people change their mind. Her future remains unclear following a recently enacted Russian law criminalizing descriptions of the war in a negative way. The offense carries a jail term of up to 15 years. Arash Arbasadi, VOA News. UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Mitchell Bakilet, warns Myanmar's brutal military dictatorship is destroying the fabric of society and putting the state at increased risk of collapse. The High Commissioner presented her report to the UN Human Rights Council Monday. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva. In her report, the UN Human Rights Chief presents a dismal picture of a country whose economy, security, freedoms, human rights and future 
are systematically being destroyed. 13 months after a military coup overthrew Myanmar's democratically elected government, Michelle Bachelet says the human rights of the people are in profound crisis and the country is in total disarray. She says formerly stable areas of the country are now beset by widespread violence. She says the economy is on the brink of collapse, with almost half of Myanmar's population of nearly 55 million expected to be plunged into poverty this year. Despite the consequences, she says people continue to protest the military's harsh repression of their rights to freedom of assembly and expression. She says dissenters are severely punished, noting many are killed, subject to mass arbitrary arrests and torture. Credible sources have recorded the death of over 1,600 individuals, many engaged in peaceful protest. At least 350 of those killed died in military custody over 21% of the total deaths. Since the 1st of February 2021, over half a million people have been forced to flee their homes. She notes at least 15,000 people have fled the country. This is in addition to the more than 1 million refugees in Bangladesh, most of them Rohingya Muslims. Most have sought asylum from violence and persecution at the hands of Myanmar's armed forces. Bachelet says disproportionate military responses to armed resistance have taken place with ferocity in multiple ethnic states. She says the brutal operations employed to quell these areas resemble those employed against the Rohingya in Rakhine State in 2016 and 2017. She says such operations clearly violate international human rights and humanitarian law. Myanmar is increasingly at risk of state collapse with shattered economic, education, health, and social protection systems. Collapse of the health system has had devastating consequences for Myanmar's COVID-19 response. The country's precious development gains have been destroyed by conflict and the military's abuse of power. Bachelet says accountability remains crucial to any solution to this crisis. She urges the international community to take urgent action to halt violence in Myanmar and to respond to the acute humanitarian needs of the people. Myanmar did not respond to the High Commissioner's report because the United Nations does not recognize the legitimacy of the military government. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said on Monday that the United States has formally determined that violence committed against the Rohingya minority by Myanmar military amounts to genocide and crimes against humanity. Speaking at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, Blinken said the attacks against Rohingya was, quote, widespread and systematic, unquote, and evidence point to a clear intent to destroy the mainly Muslim minority. The decision was first reported by Reuters on Sunday. The United States has concluded that genocide was committed seven times. Today marks the eighth, as I have determined that members of the Burmese military committed genocide and crimes against humanity against Rohingya. The attack against Rohingya was widespread and systematic, which is crucial for reaching a determination of crimes against humanity. The evidence also points to a clear intent behind these mass atrocities, the intent to destroy Rohingya in whole or in part. That intent has been corroborated by the accounts of soldiers who took part in the operation and later defected, such as one who said he was told by his commanding officer to, and I quote, shoot at every sight of a person, end quote, burn villages, rape and kill women, orders that he and his unit carried out. 
Since the coup, we've seen the Burmese military use many of the same tactics. Only now, the military is targeting anyone it sees as opposing or undermining its repressive rule. Since seizing power, the military has killed more than 1,670 men, women, and children, and unjustly detained at least 12,800 more in abysmal conditions. We're providing a wide range of support, including information, resources, and today I can announce that we're also contributing nearly a million dollars in additional funding. We've also shared information with the Gambia in connection with the case it's filed against Burma under the Genocide Convention at the International Court of Justice for the atrocities committed against Rohingya. That's U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. In other news, Saudi Arabia says, quote, it won't bear any responsibility for any shortage in oil supplies to global markets, unquote, after attacks by Yemen, Iran-backed Houthi rebels have affected the kingdom's production. This statement on Monday was carried by the state-run Saudi press agency. It quoted the foreign ministry as saying that, quote, the international community must assume its responsibility to maintain energy supplies, unquote, in order to, quote, stand against the Houthis, unquote. Yemen's rebels on Sunday launched a series of attacks targeting the kingdom's oil and natural gas production. Benchmark crude oil stood at over $112 a barrel in trading Monday. For more on this story and other breaking news, visit our website at vonews.com. Remember to connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for VOA Africa. You are listening to VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedofo in Washington. Tuesday marks the 29th annual World Water Day. This year's focus is groundwater, which provides fresh water to much of the world. Michelle Quinn reports. Under the soil, moving slowly through rock layers and inside aquifers, groundwater quietly coexists with us. It is the primary drinking water source for half of the world and a source of water for irrigating crops. And it's in trouble. The theme of this year's World Water Day, a UN Observance Day, is groundwater, its importance, and the threats it faces. Elizabeth Doherty is a water expert and runs an organization called Holy H2O, a nonprofit. She spoke to VOA over Zoom. Groundwater is a really um, fascinating and, frankly, uh, much under-discussed um, element of our um, water cycle. As rain or snow seeps through the ground, it becomes groundwater, often clean and stored in the earth. Groundwater can be a backup source of water during times of drought when lakes and rivers dry up. Josue Medellin Ezwara is a water expert at the University of California at Merced. He spoke to VOA over Zoom. So groundwater is kind of the buffer uh, for many uh, irrigation uh, um, uh, places in the in the in the world to um, uh, the, uh, substitute for this lost uh, surface water during droughts. Environmental advocates are concerned that the world's biggest groundwater aquifers are being depleted faster than they are being replenished, and that can lead to other issues. Again, Elizabeth Doherty. So that the ground starts to uh, deplete or or sink, and. You can't refill that. Like, you can't repump that full of water. Once there's subsidence, you've lost that capacity for water storage. Groundwater is also threatened by pollution and mismanagement. Again, Professor Medellin Azawara. 
And in many cases, the contamination that we see in, um, in, in groundwater is the product of uh, things that, were, um, that happened decades back. Environmental advocates say people should ask where their water comes from and push their elected officials to include water management in setting policies for future growth. Kimberly Shonick is the Verde River project manager for the Nature Conservancy in Arizona. She spoke to VOA over Zoom. We need to make sure we're looking at the whole system and not just one piece of it. With the world's population expected to keep growing, experts say that better understanding and managing of the planet's groundwater may be key to our future survival. Michelle Quinn, VOA News. There is enough groundwater in Africa to provide everyone with enough drinking water to face at least five years of drought, and in some cases, up to 50 years. This is according to a news analysis done by the British Geological Survey and Water Aid presented at the World Water Forum in Dakar, as Road Emmendorp reports for VOA. The British Geological Survey and Water Aid, after a 10-year survey, found that throughout Africa there are enough subsurface water reserves to serve the entire population. Even in parched locations, according to BGF chief researcher Alan MacDonald, there can be adequate groundwater, he explains through Zoom. When you realise that the groundwater resources are maybe 20 times the amount of water we have in the rivers and lakes of Africa, then it is really quite an amazing fact. But because it's hidden, it's so often out of sight and out of mind. This applies to Turkana. Kenya, one of Africa's driest region, where camel caravans trek between the scarce water sources. It is one of the worst affected places on the continent, according to the famine early warning system. Turkana's water minister, Vincent Paler, confirms the situation is dire. The water sources are drying up because the water table has gone down. The body condition of the livestock is poor. When look at also the vegetation cover, the vegetation cover is not pleasant because uh, it's drying up. But even in Turkana, there appears to be water just beneath the feet of the camel herders. According to a 2013 report, Turkana has enough groundwater to service Kenya for 70 years. However, a government survey has shown the water is too salty. Virginia Newton-Lewis, a senior policy analyst at WaterAid, explains via Zoom that investments are needed to get usable water. We need mapping, we need monitoring, and this takes investment. It also takes investment in equipment. It takes investment in human resources to do that. And then we need investment in the ways in which we can get the water that we find to the people who need it the most. BGS researcher Ellen MacDonald adds that the report is timely, since groundwater is crucial amid droughts caused by climate change. As droughts are becoming more common, then people are looking for a much more reliable source of water, which is why I think there is this renewed or increased interest in groundwater resources, because they're much more reliable than rainwater or river water or even reservoirs. Turkana's minister, Vincent Paler, is pleased with the renewed focus on groundwater exploration. 
as he is concerned that continuing water shortages may exacerbate the situation. If the water stress continues, this therefore means that there will be scramble for water and this may force these pastoralists to move to neighboring countries and then at times contributing to conflict. There is, however, respite for Turkana and Africa, since another recent survey by BGS suggests that 80% of the subterranean water is likely to be acceptable for drinking. Ruth Almendorf for VOA News, Kenya. The United Nations delegation has arrived to evaluate the health of the World Heritage-listed Great Barrier Reef in northeastern Australia. The visit comes as the world's largest coral system suffers another widespread bleaching event. The UN monitoring team will consider whether the reef should be added to the list of, quote, World Heritage in Danger, unquote. From Sydney, Phil Mercer reports. The United Nations mission will assess the impact of climate change on the Great Barrier Reef, as well as localised threats, including pollution and overfishing. A report from UNESCO, the UN scientific and cultural body, had previously said that not enough was being done to protect the reef from global warming or to meet water quality standards. Lobbying from Australia had convinced UNESCO's World Heritage Committee to give Canberra more time to address its concerns. The Australian government has insisted the Great Barrier Reef was the best-managed reef in the world and that multi-million dollar programs were boosting its resilience. Earlier this year, Australia announced a plan to fund projects that reduce erosion, as well as pesticides and fertilisers running off farmland into the sea. It would include conservation efforts, including combating coral-eating crown-of-thorn starfish and illegal fishing. Imogen Zetoven is an advisor to the Australian Marine Conservation Society, an environmental organisation. She told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that the UN mission would examine the current health of the reef. They'll be looking at Australia's record on climate change because the World Heritage Committee last year requested this mission and they said that they want to see Australia take accelerated action at all possible levels to address the threat of climate change. And secondly, they'll be looking at the local threats that are happening, such as poor water quality, fishing pressure, and what is the Australian and Queensland government doing to reduce those pressures. The Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority, which administers one of Australia's greatest natural treasures, has reported widespread bleaching in its central and northern regions. This occurs when the ocean is too warm for too long. It forces the coral to expel symbiotic algae that give it most of its energy and its vibrant colours. Reefs can recover from bleaching, but it can take years. If water temperatures don't return to normal, the coral can die. Should the UN downgrade the reef's conservation status, it would be the first time a natural World Heritage Site has been placed on the in-danger list, mainly because of climate change. Phil Mercer for VOA News, Sydney. This is Science in a Minute. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope recently completed the fifth of seven critical steps in aligning its mirror system. After completing the recent procedure, the space agency says the telescope's mirrors are now well aligned with its primary imager, the near-infrared camera. 
In a NASA press release, the team says it expects the optical performance of Webb to meet or exceed the science goals the observatory was built to achieve. The Webb team is now aligning the mirrors with the Space Telescope's remaining three science instruments. NASA says it expects all seven steps of Webb's optical telescope element alignment to be done by early May. Once alignment is complete, the Webb team will conduct about two months of science instrument preparations. It's expected that Webb will release its first full-resolution imagery and science data in the summer. I'm VOA's Rick Pantaleo. Go beyond the daily headlines with VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. Each weekday at 1935 UTC, join me, Steve Miller, as I put the latest developments into a global context with interviews and analysis. Listen online at voanews.com slash flashpoint or in your favorite podcast player. They're still trying to figure out what are the specific policies from the White House. VOA Asia, your daily digest of top Asia stories. Beijing has especially hazardous levels of air pollution. Blending American and Asian perspectives. China is protecting wildlife. Original reports and series. Education, health, technology. Stories that mean something to your daily life. VOA Asia. has been international edition on the voice of america on behalf of the entire production team thank you so much for listening visit our website for in-depth coverage award events and news 24 hours a day at voanews.com until next time i am chinedwafa in washington wishing you a great day of America Washington Papa